What's up, everybody? Wednesday, April 21st. It's 647 in sunny and extremely hot Arizona. Um, but we got a transformational podcast for you coming out today. We welcomed on Brad Worthman and Evan Massengill from the Hokey Club to talk about the new and exciting Reach for Excellence initiative that was just announced. Um, asking them about some details, some questions that you all wrote in, and just kind of going over it in a little bit more detail. So super duper excited about that. Um, some general housekeeping, obviously. As you know, Sons of Saturday is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy, the best pharmacy in all of the New River Valley that's constantly taking care of everybody in the Blacksburg and New River Valley area, handing out vaccines, doing what they need to do to keep you safe and keep you supplied in the Blacksburg area. It is also your one-stop shop for exclusive Sons of Saturday merchandise. As of right now, it is apparel and flags, but we have some very exciting stuff that's coming out as well for you to check out. So Main Street Pharmacy, right on Main Street in Blacksburg. Check them out. In other news, uh, we picked up a commitment today from the 15th-ranked offensive guard in the 2022 class in Johnny Dixon. Johnny had interest from other programs such as Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Nebraska. Got another one in the boat and some fantastic, fantastic reporting going out on that on the .com. Also, be sure that you check out some of the other awesome work that's gone out by our scribes. Grant Mitchell put out an uh, article outlining spring football takeaways. We also have a financial deep dive on the Reach for Excellence campaign that came out from Chris Himes, and obviously an overview, kind of cliff notes of what happened uh, by Mike McDaniel for the Reach for Excellence campaign as well. Some other awesome stuff coming out on the website as well soon. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Evan and Brad. So thankful for their time and everything that they've been doing and coming on and kind of shining a light on stuff that's going on. But really exciting initiatives. And uh, here we go. Nation, picture this. It's June of 2009. Patrick Finn is 14 years old and graduating from William Annan Middle School in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Patrick's class moderator says, hey, you're graduating this year. What do you want your yearbook quote to be for the class of 09 William Annan Middle School? And you know what my yearbook quote was? For those who have passed, for those to come, Reach for excellence. Dash the hokey stone. I was that guy. That's not a joke. That was really that was really your your yearbook. Yeah, I'll I'll have my mom dig it up and send a picture in. But yeah, this is this is big time. So let's fast forward twelve years into the future, and uh, today, April twentieth, twenty twenty one, we embark on the Reach for Excellence campaign, four hundred million dollar campaign for Virginia Tech Athletics. It's a big day. It's a big night. And uh, we brought some special guests out on the podcast here to talk about it. So uh, Brad Worthman, Evan Massengill, and we got Billy right here too. 
Welcome, Dude, Brad. Can you say it with some more moxie? What the hell was that? <laughs> you, gave me, you gave me like a backhanded intro. <laughs> we got Brad. We got Evan. How are you guys doing tonight? We're awesome, man. Super excited. Today was a great day for Virginia Tech Athletics. I know uh, Brad's probably exhausted. He had a lot more to do with it to do with this than I did. No, we we uh we're great, gents. Um, I mean, this is this is my, I, Billy. I, I agree. That was kind of a, a lackluster intro for you, quite frankly. It was just like, oh, and here's this other guy who happened <laughs> to join us tonight. Uh, but yeah, it. I mean, guys, it we cannot underscore how big today was right so i mean today is if you can if you can win in an off season right like today is one of those where we're at some point we'll all go to sleep and um, a lot of people should be really proud of the work that went into today um, obviously today was like the prep to get to the marathon starting line right there's still a marathon to run but there was a lot of work that went into just getting to the starting line so we're feeling I good I want to applaud, uh, and and I've said this on here multiple times that uh, an Achilles heel for us um, for the last couple of years has been some of the way that we've handled some of these big announcements uh, from a PR perspective or a planning perspective. And one of my, we're going to get into big takeaways here, but but one of the first that doesn't really need to be commented on it was just an observation was how well uh, orchestrated it was from letting people know when it was happening, uh, the ease of access of it all. And just kind of laying everything out, uh, not just, hey, we want to do this. It's, hey, we're going to do this. Here's where we're going. Here's where we want to be. Here's how we're going to get there. Um, and uh, without further ado, we can kind of kick off just the bigger bigger takeaways um, from this entire announcement. The biggest one for me was <laughs> selfishly outwardly saying the importance of football to Virginia Tech. Um, it, you know, we've kind of had the... Uh, the tongue-in-cheek arguments of football school, basketball school, all of this, um, as is with most big programs, the Golden Goose and the one that drives the car uh, is football. And multiple times uh, it was stated the importance of football to Virginia Tech's future for all different uh, athletic programs. Uh, this was mentioned by uh, Mr. Uh, Babcock on the former player engagement meetings, uh, which was surprising. And in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, we need to let's say this publicly. I need, I need, I need to hear that. I need to hear this in an open forum and to hear him say that. And more importantly, to hear Tim Sands say that, who, uh, who I've, who I've definitely kind of been wondering where his head is at with athletics and football in general, to hear them both come out and say that. Um, I guess I want to just ask you directly first, what does football mean to Virginia tech both, uh, from a success standpoint, from a culture standpoint, uh, what does football mean to Virginia Tech and the future of its athletic department? So I, you hit on a few things there, and I, I want to make sure that, that I highlight them as well. Um, obviously, the, Dr. Sands is fantastic. Uh, and, you know, for, for some of us who have the privilege of, of working under his leadership, uh, he he is so committed, right, to what we're doing. And so I if anything, I was glad that people were able to see that side of him and, and more so the side that Witt sees all the time with him, but people were able to see that side of him today, right? And, and, and see that and see the university's commitment to athletics uh, and, and certainly to football, but, but to athletics as a whole and what that means for our program moving forward. So that's exciting and that's great. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to have people 
No, Witt talked about it and he talks about it often. The fact that we are, we agree on the direction we are aligned and we are committed. Right. And, and those three things collectively lead to what goes next. Um, and then obviously to the question directly, football, it, to your point, at the majority of power five schools in the country, um, pending very few, football is what drives the economic engine. Right. And, and again, people, there, there's so much chatter out there as far as what does it mean and, and how does it work and, and scholarship support and whatnot. But, you know, and, and I think what you heard today is there's football is a $100 million driver for the local economy in the Southwest Virginia area, right? That cannot be understated enough. Um, and, and I think you saw that this past fall, right? I mean, it, it, it wasn't what any of us wanted, but you saw what happens if in the event that that is not where we want it to be. So that's one part. The second part though, is that for our budget, roughly 80, somewhere between 80 and 90% of our budget can be attributed to in various ways, but can be attributed to revenue generated through football. And when you really peel it back, what I, th- I hope what people saw today is that we said two very important things. One, we believe in broad-based athletic success. We do not want to be, hey, we're, we're only great in one program. We want to be great in everything. What that also means is that we need resources to make it great. And those resources come predominantly from one program. Uh, so that's, to put it bluntly, that is the area that has to have focus and has to have resource and has to have a, f- a focused commitment because it's a, a rising tide raises all boats scenario. So our ability to turn the needle and push football forward uh, and to give coach all of the support that is needed, all of those coaches and those student athletes to be able to help drive the income in that, that then trickles down and supports every other sport we have that cannot be misconstrued that that was absolutely the point of today and is a will continue to be a focal point for our whole program. And I wanted to ask, because Billy Ray mentioned this on uh, how we heard it from President Sands, we heard it from Wit. Um, you know, was this buy-in something that had to be, you know, gradually unearthed or, you know, was there a compelling event? How important was getting this buy-in from, you know, all the important positions of power on campus? So it doesn't happen without alignment, you know, and, and that is... I, I don't know how to, um, I wish that I was a more eloquent speaker to explain how important that is. I, I'm not, I'm not eloquent enough to deliver that correctly, but alignment across the board from Dr. Sands to wit certainly, and, and very much obviously to Charlie Flieger in the advancement shop, to the board of visitors across the board to, to coach Fuente, to all of our coaches, right. Across the board within, within the Virginia tech community. And and for take names out of it, just the Virginia Tech community as an entity and saying, hey, we are aligned in that athletics will matter here. To, it's so important to have that level of alignment. And the reason I said, you know, Witt said it today, he's worked at six schools and he's never seen an alignment like what we have here. Um, I have worked at three schools, two of them with Witt. Um, I, I have never seen alignment like this in the schools that in, in the, in the other school, like it just doesn't, it's not, that doesn't mean that other schools don't do it well. 
It means the level of alignment top to bottom. I have never witnessed. Wit has never witnessed. Others have never witnessed. Um, and so, like Pat, to your question, we cannot possibly undervalue the fact that everybody is aligned in this and that you need, in order to have an investment like this and in order to have success like this and in order to have the commitment to a vision like this. And again, what, what we didn't do today was tell everybody, hey, here is the exact plan. Like here is what we're going to do in July of 21. Sorry, that, that wasn't the purpose of today. The purpose of today was here's where we're going. We would love for you to be on board. Many of you already are. And if you're not, there's still a seat on the bus for you. But the overall alignment from the university, without that, we don't get to today. The next question, and I know uh, I'm just asking all the all the questions that I <laughs> that I really have, and, and then the next one is an alignment question. Um, and and I want to preface this by saying that yes, success in the football program is paramount, has to happen, and I think this is going to drive that, and is something that we've needed for a long time. Um, but on the boards, on Twitter, and everywhere else there's always been this notion of a disconnect between, you know, the athletic director and the president or a, a lame duck scenario at the, at the head coach, uh, at the head coaching position. Whereas I think today address that where it's multiple times in this press conference, it was said, this is the man for the job. This is the man that we want it to happen with, uh, have everybody there and everybody being very transparent about that. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, kind of speak to, what that relationship is like and what that synergy is like uh, and how that relationship has kind of materialized over the past few years. So, and you know, I, I'd be remiss if um, <clears throat> like any, that relationship is a direct result of Wit and Dr. Sands and coach Fuente and, and all of that understanding where we're going. Right. And, and being committed to it again. It, and I think what's hard uh, w- Trust me when I say we, and I, I feel like I said this the last time you all were kind enough to have us on. Like nobody wants to win worse than Wit and Coach Wente, right? It that nobody nobody wants to, um, and and we feel this way across the board. We none of us want to finish in third or fourth or fifth. None of us want that. What we want to do is have the opportunity to, to win championships. Um, and hearing that, hopefully what people heard today is that we're committed to doing that. Right. And we are not only committed to the people that we're hoping to do that, but we're committed to resource people correctly. We're committed to removing roadblocks in some ways for people, but we are, we're ready to go with that. Um, and it was, it was nice, hopefully. And, and I say this as somebody who, um, who hears it regularly, right? Hopefully what people heard today was that we're going to get this thing done and it's going to be great. And we are, when it comes to that relationship, it's a pretty exciting concept because, and, and the sort of the, you know, what people refer to as the glory days of tech football. I, I wasn't here for those, but it's pretty exciting to know, A, we're building on a foundation that is so solid right? And so uplifting, but also what an exciting proposition that our tomorrow could be better than our yesterday when our yesterday was still really great, right? Like that's a pretty cool proposition uh, and something that we're excited about. So it's nice to know we've got all the right people in place at that point that now we can just let them go to work. 
I mean this respectfully when I say it. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, regardless of what it was, and obviously you're in the you're in the room, you're in the building, you're in the meetings. But it seemed like today was the fir- was the first public time where it was like we're all in. Like this is important to us. We're making this happen. This is an investment that um, you know we can get get go back and forth on it. I think I think this is something. The weight room, the the meeting rooms. Like people don't realize how important it was my last year when I was working in uh, in the recruiting department of bringing folks in. And then you see some of the videos of places like Louisville, places like Miami, places like Clemson. Our meeting rooms didn't stack up. Our weight rooms didn't stack up. Our nutrition place didn't stack up. And not just seeing the improvements, but hearing it from so high up that this matters to us and this is the direction that we're going in. Um, how important was it to get that message across loud and cre- loud and clear? Massive, you know. And um, I here's what I've learned in the in the time that I've been fortunate and privileged to to work for the Hokies and be a part of this team. Um, the people that I've met here are so humble, right? Both staff and fans and donors. Nobody really talks about what they've done or what they've, what they could do or, and, and it's so endearing, but it's also, you think about something today and, and I, I was really proud of what, when he said it, you know, when we talked about the challenge going from a challenger brand to a champion brand, right? And what that means. And the truth is that we aren't that far removed from being a champion brand. Right. But we, we want to get back to that. So that is one piece. The second piece that was awesome. And and to your point, as far as saying it out loud, right. And telling everybody one of Witt's questions where where I was probably, and and I've known him for a decade, right. And I've worked with him for seven of those 10 years. Um, Hearing him today say that we don't necessarily have to be the one who plays catch up. He said it more eloquently than that, but we don't have to be one. Why can't we be the standard? You look at our performance center, you look at our weight room now, you look at the meeting rooms, there is no reason why we are not on par with our ACC peers. And again, does that mean it's everything? No, because this is, it is constantly ongoing, right? This isn't a, hey, we're done and we stop and we never do anything anymore and then it just stands the test of time. This quite the opposite is, well, now we have to continue to make modifications, right? And we have to continue, it's no different than a house. You buy a house and you maybe fix up the bathroom one year and then you fix up the backyard the next year and you fix up. So you work through the process. We have to do the same, but we, we are in the process of moving into a nicer house, right? And so now the ability to take that and put that in front of student athletes, both current and future Hokies and in your, I mean, in some of your cases, forever Hokies, right? People who are former student athletes here who can come back and see all this now, it sounds silly. We we want them to be jealous and not jealous in a negative way, but jealous in a, Oh, like this is unbelievable. And I'm so proud that my school has invested this way. Um, so that's absolutely a role that we're going to see. Uh, and, and it was really, really nice. I, I said, uh, I was most proud of wit today because he's obviously been the architect of a lot of this um, and, and the, the conduit, to a lot of it. And so for him to stand up and say, Hey, we feel pretty positive about what we have in play right now. Um, I, it's not his nature to talk about what we've done or what we have. Um, so I, I thought it was impressive to hear him say that today. So we found out earlier today that, uh, this campaign was supposed to be announced 
at the 2020 spring game. And then obviously COVID got in the way. Um, this will kind of be like a two part question. Cause we do have so many questions for y'all. Um, one, how long has this reach for excellence campaign really been in the works? And two, uh, was it supposed to be a football and basketball type project or, um, you know, did it get lumped together at some point along the way? So I'll do my best to, to give you a short answer. Um, it's been in the works for a while, right? And that that's the, the easiest way I can phrase it is this boundless impact campaign that the university launched. It's a 10-year campaign that started in 2017. So we are, you know, depending on when you start the calendar, right, and when you start thinking about it, we are a handful of years into that process. So it's been in the works for, for a handful of years. Um, we were honestly and candidly, we were planning to launch it in April of 2020. And then truthfully, we just never felt right about it in that moment. You know, I mean, we didn't know what the fall would look like. Obviously we didn't know what this, what COVID would actually like, Think about what we know now, right? A year removed and think about how naive we were to what was about to happen related to COVID in April of 2020. And so we just didn't feel qualified in that moment to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I mean, we were hearing, you know, donors and fans losing their jobs. Like It just wasn't the right time. And that doesn't mean that there's ever a right time. What it does mean, though, is that we're really confident and comfortable now in saying, we've heard you. Right. We agree. And this is where we want to go in order to get there. We need your help. Right. Let's let's not shy away from that. Part of today was a direct ask to everybody um, that would consider themselves to be Hokey fans that we need your support at whatever level. Right. But we want you to be involved. And we just didn't feel comfortable doing it last year in that moment. And then there really wasn't a point. Right. If you think about April 2020 to today, there really wasn't a point that it just made sense to unveil this. So we wanted to wait until there was this moment where it was kind of a break in the action and kind of a, Hey, you know, it, it hope springs eternal, so to speak. Right. So we wanted to wait for April. Um, it was never a one campaign or a different pro like it was never a one-off whatnot. It was always a comprehensive program. It was always castle. It was always football. It was always sport, all all, all sport excellence. It was always the draft 25. It's been the draft 25, right? That draft for 25 is not new. Um, what's new is that we're gonna we're gonna get over 25,000 soon. But that is not new. Um, and then endowments obviously is a thing that is always on our minds and and is always something that we can talk about. Go ahead, Evan. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's all right. I, I think to to Pat's question, um, you know, the boundless impact has been in the works since 2015. It's been silent since 2017. Um, so we've known about a number. It, it, you know, it's fluctuated a little bit, but it's been in that area for quite some time. And um, I think it's important for Hokie Nation to know that and, and to impart on them that we're already seeing the dividends of boundless impact and of reach it for excellence. You know, 150 million is already in the door. And part of that 150 million is a brand new dorm. Part of that 150 million is, you know, a sports nutrition facility that is, it's better than any I've ever seen. I mean, it is better than any I've ever seen. Part of that is a brand new football weight room. Part of that is brand new football um, position room. So that impact that we're going to make dollar by dollar 
you know, you say 400 million, you say 250 left. People are like, oh, that's that's so far off in the distance. That's so that's such a big number. No, it's it's happening now. We're, those, those are current dollars that are being put to use and and that are going to make the biggest difference for Virginia Tech athletics. When you look at, you mentioned a few of them um, from a announcing at the right time perspective and the challenges that others were going through um, that you're asking for dollars uh, from, what are some of the other challenges and hurdles uh, that you had to overcome to get to today, um, regardless of you know, the university taking the financial downturn that they did in COVID or the athletic department taking the financial uh, downturn in COVID. Um, how did you guys need to pivot much? Uh, what were some of those challenges and how did we get to today? That's a great question. Uh, it, yes, right. It, it, I mean, the last year for everyone in so many ways has been about surviving and advancing, you know, and, and that, that has been the, the mantra for everyone, not just our program or our team, everyone. Um, and so when we, when we really boil it down and think about biggest challenges and hurdles, a lot of it was, it, it sounds so, it sounds like a cop-out answer. I don't mean it this way, but it was just getting to today and getting to a point where we felt comfortable talking about this and that, that the university and, and the administration felt comfortable talking about this. And now when we look back on it, we're ready to go. So there wasn't, I, 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 you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to dodge the question. There wasn't necessarily one massive hurdle. It was a series of hurdles over the last year. And it was, and a lot of the hurdles though, were simply baked into the unknown of what, you know, in April of 2020, what does June of 2020 look like? None of us knew in June of 2020, were we going to have football? You know, on July 8th of 2020, the Ivy league said, we're not playing football anymore. And I, I mean, I remember be, sitting there thinking to myself, we, we were going to have a staff meeting later that day. And I knew the question I was going to get asked was, are, are we playing football? And I had no idea what to tell our team. Right. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about every possible scenario that I could tell our, our staff and, and, and the folks that I'm responsible for. And I had, I had nothing, right. I had a blank page of notes with a question on top that said, are we going to play football? And my answer was, I think so, but ask me on July 9th or 10th or 11th. And um, so those were the hurdles, right? The hurdles were just managing the unknown. It, again, the hurdles, I think what's hard, the hurdles were not internal alignment or campus commitment or our department aligned and where we're going. The hurdles were just everything that everybody else was facing too. And the inability for us to jump in and do that. On the next, uh, next segment here, I want to take the five goals that were mentioned um, in the presser and just kind of peel back the onion, get some more details. And I know you did mention, um, it's kind of funny. A lot of people are like, can you tell us specifically what we're going to do? Well, this is a multi-year plan. Uh, it's figuring out exactly what needs to be done, but some of it was outlined and just kind of want to go over that. And, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Pat with, uh, the first goal that was mentioned was the football enhancement. So, uh, Pat speak to that. Right. So football enhancement, and that was breaking, uh, broken down into five, subsets as well within football enhancement. Um, so I'll read this and this comes directly from the reach for excellence site. Uh, number one, recruiting student athletes sign with coaches, not schools. Some ACC peers have three times more recruiting positions than we do. Dollar goal, 5 million assistant coaches salaries. We need to provide competitive compensation for our coaches so that we can continue developing and retaining the best talent dollar goal, 10 million. 
quality control coaches. These coaches are preparing to take the next step as full-time on the field coaches. Dollar goal, $5 million. Student athlete development. Our football student athletes need dedicated support to prepare them for a real world. Dollar goal, $2 million. And then the last one, capital needs. We have immediate needs in our facilities. The first impression for visiting recruits must be improved. Dollar goal, $8 million. So uh, if you had your calculators with you, that's $30 million right there going to football. And we heard today about the next football facilities project breaking ground this summer. But uh, what, is this, what does the action plan look like you know, for these five allocations? So, um, shoot, y'all are coming in hot with questions. Um, where I think this is going to go, right? And, and I think one thing that's important, let's talk about buckets for a second, you know, and, and being able to help, na- help narrate this story. There's a few buckets that we look at. Um, it's in a variety of ways, but I'll try to simplify it, right? Because it, it hopefully, and even though it may be oversimplified, it shows the narrative that we're trying to get to. One bucket is our student athletes, right? Current student athletes, what can we do to invest in them to improve their experience? You heard coach talk about it today, spiritually, socially, athletically, and academically. So what can we invest in 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 that space? Then there is the concept of recruiting, right? Future Hokies. What does that look like for us? And again, whether it's recruiting staff or quality control, whatnot, like there are positions that fall into that. and needs that we have in that space then there's the concept of staffing what does that mean and what is what does that take on how do we retain how do we add how do we find the opportunity Um, we we don't shy away from the fact that again you can you can look at it in different ways but there are other programs with more staff than we have does that mean that we need to match them person for person no it doesn't it means that we have to double down on people though Right. And we have to believe that the people we have are, are excellent at what they do. And we can help people, people. Um, but, you know, if somebody has a staff of 70 and somebody else has a staff of seven, that those are not fair playing. Right? If somebody has a staff of 70 and somebody else has a staff of 50, well, if those 50 are, are great at what they do, then maybe they can get it done. You know, so that, that staffing component is part of it. And then the fourth major bucket in that space is facilities. What do we continue to do to add to that mix? Um, so, you know, those, those five that are there, recruiting, assistant coaches, quality control coaches, student athlete development, capital needs. The great part, we've got a group of um, incredibly generous donors who have already bought into this vision and they've already put money behind this vision and you're already seeing work and dividends paid from that. I mean, Billy, you talked about the, the former student athlete and forever Hokie engagement sessions. Those were run by Sam Stewart, who has is an is an added staff member whose salary is paid for through these donors that we've that we've asked and, and they've committed on this ride with us. So you can't under can't undervalue the impact that she has had already. Um, correct. I know I echo echo a bunch of uh, not just former players. I mean, uh, I, I've seen you know folks going back spending time with her. I mean, she's made an incredible impact in the short time that she's been here. Incredible impact. And you add her again, I think what's where some of it gets lost too. again. And this is why I, I joke with everybody, you know, it, we want you to somewhere along the way. And I, I would argue this for every school in the country, 
somewhere along the way, the concept of being a fan became being a business analyst. Right? We want you to be fans. <laughs> you know, we, we want you to have fun. We, like the, the, I, we want we want you to help us win games. We want you to cheer loud. We want you to donate what you can. We want you to be involved. We don't necessarily we don't want you to feel like you have to analyze our business for us. That's our job. That's our day to day. So what we, what we want to do though, is take this opportunity and you take somebody like Sam, you know, the fourth category on this student athlete development, Raina Gilbert Lowry and, and her staff on our team do a fantastic job preparing all of our student athletes for life after sports. You add Sam to that mix and now we can link all those units together. Right. So it, the whole thing pays dividends. Um, what that, and, and, you know, again, Pat, you, you came with hard questions right off the jump. So I figured I would just dance around it. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's those five areas are things that matter. Those are things that coach Fuente has said for us to make this program take the next step. These are areas that we are getting B both on the recruiting trail and day to day. If we can overcome some of these gaps, it gives us a leg up on the competition or it puts us on it. Worst case, it puts us on even playing field. Best case scenario, it gives us a leg up. So these are from a timing perspective, these are annual investments, right? These are not a one shot deal. It's um, Wood always talks about the fact that, you know, and, and I think you saw it today, the concept of an, of a rendered castle got a ton of, uh, positive momentum today and, 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 and not all positive, right? There are certainly people who have different opinions and that's fine. People are allowed to, but um, some, some of the concept of staffing is equally or more important in some of those spaces, but isn't as there's no picture, right? If we, if, if we put a picture of an org chart beside a picture of a, ca- a rendered castle, I promise you which one gets more engagement. It's not the org chart, but the org chart is what makes it work. Right. So the concept of what we're going to invest in football is intentionally done with an eye on how we can impact the student athlete from a total experience. And then from the donor experience, too, I mean, I, you know, I figure for the longest time it was set up that, you know, when you make your donation to the Hokie Club or the Drive for 25, you can make a donation to the Hokie Scholarship Fund or make it to just football in general. And now by the looks of it or of how it's going to be set up, you're going to be able to, you know, put your contribution into one of those buckets, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to, yeah, it's, we're going to, we're going to have the opportunity in that space. The, the key too, you know, and, and, and Evan obviously is well more, far more versed in this than I am. So I'm going to let him tackle this and I can jump in on a, on a high level stuff on the back end. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we want um, people to be able to make the impact uh, that they feel most compelled to give towards. Um, And so there's no other way to do that than to set up, you know, we call them funds, you know, five different funds. And um, you can give towards your endowment. You can set up a new endowment. You can uh, give HSF or sports-specific um, drive for 25 would be HSF sports specific would be, you know, as, as Brad alluded to just helping out operationally football enhancement castle Coliseum. So 
ultimately we want people to give where they feel compelled and led. And um, I think that some of the things that Brad and, and Grant and the team did last year um, really helped with Drive for 25, the micro campaigns like the popcorn and um, virtual 5K and um, pledge for touchdown, all the things that Billy spent a ton of money on. Um, which we appreciate Billy, um, you know, all of those things, they brought in new donors, 3,400 new donors. Um, and it's up to us to retain them and, and tell the story and get them to contribute philanthropically going forward. And that's all going to be drive for 25 numbers, right? That's all going towards that big, how do we move the ball forward? Well, we move the ball forward with new donors and, and then, converting them to philanthropic donors so it's going to be a lot of fun and yeah you can give to whatever you feel compelled to and if it's a popcorn box then let's make your uh your first gift your smallest and, and not make it your last i'm glad that you say that because i'm looking up at my uh my commonwealth cup our cup our state magnet it's on my fridge right now and then you mentioned the popcorn bucket i didn't get a popcorn bucket but that that'll that'll segue us into into uh, the second point here that we can talk about uh, the castle renovation, because like you said, Brad, those mock-ups of castle, you know, they were leaking early in the morning. You're like, Ooh, check out this picture. This is pretty cool. This is pretty neat. Check out the glass. Oh, th- they're keeping, they're keeping the castle look, but adding some flair, some pizzazz. This looks awesome. Um, Mike Young said today during the uh during one of the i guess after the press conference or kind of off the record he wants a better popcorn machine in castle coliseum i did have a question uh just off of seeing some of the renderings you know when buzz williams was the basketball coach i want to say it was his first uh, his first press conference he said that he wants the students on the sideline at one day do you know anything about this castle renovation and lowering the student seating on the baseline so they can be a little closer to the court? Is that in the master plan or uh, are we dreaming for right now? So I don't know that it's dreaming. Um, I think what's hard is having, having been through enough of these kind of arena renovations, what's hard is you don't exactly know how it's going to play out perfectly until we get a little further along. And so when it comes to locations specifically and, and where will people be within, um, you know, I don't know the exact take on that just because we haven't got there yet. Right. A lot of it um, and use heck use football as an example. Right. Last time I checked, nobody has a problem with students in the north end zone. Right. There are no, none of our students have a problem with being in the North end zone. You got a problem with students not being in the, not being in the North end zone by Agreed. choice or by putting them somewhere else. Agreed. So, you know, and, and for me, I mean, like I, I, I think about every place I've ever worked. Um, the students have a presence behind the baskets. Right. And does that make it the right place for them? No. Does it mean that they can impact the game? Heck yes. Uh, and so we just want to make sure that they, what we don't want to do, and this is important, <clears throat> we don't want them to lose the ability to impact the game mm-hmm. because they impact the game in football, they impact the game in basketball, they impact the game everywhere they are, right? Well, so we, we want them to impact the game. And however we get there, 
six of one half dozen the other, right? We can mix and match and, but no matter what we do, and I think what's important, right. And, and hopefully some of the folks listening to this will appreciate it. No matter what decision we make in that, somebody's going to say we made the wrong one, right? If we put students on the, on the sideline, then people who used to sit on the sideline will say that was a problem. If we put students behind the bucket, then somebody's going to say, well, why didn't you put students on the sideline? What we want to do is make sure that they have an opportunity to have an impact and we want them to be heard, right? There is a reason why the ground shakes. So let's not lose sight of that and give them the opportunity to do that. Um, and then just kind of let the chips fall where they may. And it's also important. I think one thing that's really important, just because the pictures look a certain way, doesn't mean that we can't iterate where the kids go, right? If we go through a process and we say, hey, you know what? It's not working over here. Who's to say we can't move them somewhere else? So there, there's a bit of a, an opportunity to mix and match as we go through. Now we'll move on to number three here, the drive for 25. And the drive for 25, which was launched in 2016, you know, now that we have the Reach for Excellence campaign, I'm interested to know how this changes or impacts the drive for 25. I think it was great today that Witt mentioned this. He says, when we kicked off the campaign in 2016, we had 10,000 donors. It's now 2021, five years later, and we have 20,000 donors. So the drive for 25 progress has been quite substantial. Uh, initiatives out of the Hokie Club over the last, you know, I would say two years really have, have made such an impact. But uh, after today's announcement, what impact, how has the Drive for 25 impacted uh, now with Reach for Excellence? I'll start and then I'll, I'll let Brad go. Um, you know, when Witt announced the Drive for 25 in December of 16, we had just overhauled the entire Hokie Club. We had just thrown in a per seat uh, to everybody's world and um, it changed the game for Virginia Tech Athletics and for Virginia Tech Fundraising and, and the Hokie Club. Um, so it went um, announcement of the Hokie Scholarship Fund. And then four months later, we went into a membership campaign um, and it's, it's grown, right? So we, we started off and we did paint the state um, and we, we painted different states and we had a website and it tracked the numbers. And then um, we had the first drive for 25 day and then we had drive for 25 blitz. But I think that you see a turn over the last two years, Pat, when um, you see things that are done holistically and as a team and um, that Brad and, and the external department, everybody in the Hokie club has made a real effort to, to get to 20,000. Um, they've worked their tails off um, from student Hokie club numbers to recent grad numbers to, to new members, to micro campaigns. 20,000 is huge. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal from 2016. And um, from the past and where we've come, you know, that foundation was solid and we've just evolved and continued to grow. And, and Brad has brought different um, tools and, and techniques and we've done some transactional giving. That, that's a bad word in, in the industry, um, but ultimately it's, it's worked out and it's our job to now tell the story. It's our job to now retain those donors 
and um, and get them on board to to make an impact going forward. Brad. So Evan alluded to it earlier, um, and and he mentioned it there, right? This concept of transactional giving, and it's and and to his to his point, that is in some ways a, a frowned upon concept, right? Like we want you to give out of the goodness of your heart, and that's excellent, and we want you to do that. The problem, and we talked about this a little bit the last time we were on the podcast. If we don't know who you are, we can't ask you to give, right? And when I think about some of the, the events and, you know, and some of the COVID forced our hand. All right. But the, the virtual 5k in the summer, which I, I brought up last time, we, we had a chance to connect on this uh, 600 new donors from that event, All right? The popcorn boxes, somewhere around 350 new donors, the Commonwealth cup magnet, somewhere around 500 new donors. Can you repeat those numbers one more time? Can you just repeat <laughs> those numbers one more time? I mean, sure. when you mentioned, when you mentioned the 5k, I was blown away. And one of my biggest problems or not problems, one of my biggest frustration points when, you know, I'm sure everybody does this and you say, nobody needs to be a business analyst. I'm sitting in my 04 F-150 driving around and I'm like, man, if I was in charge, I'd have all these different events going on and all this different <laughs> stuff on a rate. Cause you know, that before it was, we're asking you to log on ad hoc, no kind of special reason to do it. Um, and you know, People are probably pretty skeptical. Oh, you're going to put this thing together. Let, let's see how many people actually bite. That Those are incredible numbers for things that, quite frankly, it takes a lot of people to get it done. But it's that simple thinking out of the box where it's something as simple as something you slap on your fridge, something as simple as just the camaraderie of doing a 5K together that leads to 1,500 people joining the joining the Hokie Club. Um, I mean, that's just th- – those are amazing results um, that we've seen. And we're, like you said, just getting started. Uh, this is what nine months since all of those have kind of come to fruition. I mean, that's that, those are incredible results. Yeah. And, and they are, and that, that it gets me excited for what comes next. And again, I mean, Evan alluded to it earlier and, and, and mentioned it, the onus at that point is on us. So if Pat is, if Pat's only gift to the Hokie club ever was to access a Commonwealth cup magnet. Great. That's wonderful. Pat, we appreciate you. Right now, it's our job to tell you the benefits that you, as a Hokie Club member, provide to 563 student athletes. It's our responsibility to educate you on what that means and what it could mean, and why we would really appreciate it if you would consider increasing your gift, or why we would really appreciate if you would consider adding to a level. Um, and so, finding a way to to do that and tell that story becomes important. It also is important that we want to be able to talk to people at their wherever they're, wherever they are. And the, and where this hit me between the eyes and, and I may have talked about this last time, but, uh, and I'll give one quick example and then I'm going to give a prediction. So sons of predictions, um, the, the concept, the concept that emotion can drive connection, right. And that connection if done right can drive commerce in some ways. And I don't mean to, to say it that way, but that let's go with this concept when the, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry led Toronto Raptors, won the NBA championship. We are going to get a Canada reference today, huh? We are. We always are. You know it's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm always going to have one. When they, when they won the NBA championship, the world championship in the NBA, went to north of the border for the first and only time, maybe ever, but at least the first and only time, I'm embarrassed to admit 
the amount of money that I spent that evening buying things that I didn't want. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I bought a jersey for my now three-year-old son who was uh, going to be two later that year that will not fit him until he's 11 years old because it was the only one they had. So my man is going to wear a nine-year-old finals Raptors jersey when he turns 10 or 11 because that's all that. So I say all that because for me, it was that moment of emotional connection, right? And I... I, I, I was, I was in Blacksburg when the game happened, when the, when the, you know, like, so I wasn't in Toronto. I wasn't around friends. I wasn't surrounded by other, other Raptors fans or, or just buddies and people I'd grown up with going to games with, but that was the opportunity for me to reach out and to connect in that moment. So that was important. Then I think about, you know, the Commonwealth cup magnet and the, and the, the popcorn box example, it is, it's taking away to take emotion equals connection and connection equals commerce. Then it's education, right? Once we, once we have the opportunity to earn, and I'm going to phrase it this way intentionally, once we have the opportunity to earn your investment, it's our job to educate you on where your investment goes. So then when I think about Sons of Predictions, um, so I'm going to say it on, on the podcast, which is a frightening thing because I, I don't know that I've said it out loud to anybody. Um, mark it down on here, whatever day, April 20th. This will be, this will be, this will be a breakout clip. So, so this will be a breakout clip. Let her her rip. Uh, we will cross 25,000 members by March 31st of 2022. Wow. That was, that was the original question I had written down. It was when can we expect, uh, the drive for 25 to be hit, but Brad, you, you jumped in on it and where do we sit right now? Let's go. Where do we sit right now? So we are right, right around the 20,000 mark. Um, So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I I don't say it lightly and I don't take people's work lightly. Um, But I feel, I feel really confident in the group of people that are working on this really confident. Um, And, you know, I, I'm it's, I've said it before and I will say it again. and And I hope folks who can't, I hope folks know that I'm genuine when I say this. I'm I'm really fortunate to work with these people every day because they are creative and they are innovative and they find ways to get to yes and they find solutions where there aren't any. Um, we talk a lot about the goal is that we try to get them. We try to find the third, fourth, and fifth solution. Right? Anybody can find the first and the second. The key is the third, fourth, and fifth. And I've got. I'm fortunate to work with people and be inspired by people who are doing that every day. So I feel it terrifies me to say it out loud, but we're going to be at 25 by the time we hit our uh, March 31st of 22 deadline. That is, that is my, that is my bet. If Derek Gwynn, our compliance director listens to this, I I think we're allowed to bet on those numbers um, because they're not an NCAA sanctioned, right? Donations are not an NCAA sanctioned sport. So we're good with it. But that is that's my money bet. You can take it to the bank. Well, we're gonna do everything we can to help. Tell you, t- tell your mom, tell your kids, tell your brothers, tell your friends. I got my cousin Lindsay who played at Memphis to join the Hokie Club. She just got her keyboard uh, thing all set up. So shout out to her. But um, that's beautiful. I mean, you know, we'll definitely do a breakout on that, and excited to help you guys get there. Um, and uh, I have no doubt in y'all's abilities and y'all's uh, drive to get there. Uh, but it, again, it takes takes all of us. I, I, I do have a, a, another question on the side. 
Um, we'd mentioned the drive for 25 and there is a meeting coming up here, uh, with the monogram club, uh, that I, that I do know is expecting some changes. I know that it hasn't been, uh, I don't know if it's been announced yet or, or, or is there anything that you can say kind of what's coming down the pipe and, uh, regarding the monogram club? Yeah, I'll do my best to give some, some brief, uh, brief synopsis. Lord knows I, I don't have, I don't have a problem filling space, um, and current in terms of speaking. Um, but let me try to, to give you a quick one. What we want to do, and, and I've used the term forever Hokies a few times in this, in this conversation, right? We don't want, we never want people to feel like they finish their playing career and then they leave and never come back. Right. So they are forever Hokies in our mind. And, and yeah, we can, Hey, it's former student athletes, whatever term we want to use. But the reason we want them to feel like they have a home here is because this is home. And it is home for them and no different than it is home for any of us. I, I said it last time on the pod. I'm not a Hokie by degree. I'm not a Hokie by birth. I'm not a Hokie by location. I'm a Hokie by choice. Right. And I hope that means something to people because it means something to me. And when I think about our student athletes, both the ones that here currently representing us and the ones that had previously represented us and will always represent us, we want them to feel like they're part of this. So what does that mean for the monogram club? It means we're going to continue to reach out and we're going to continue to ask people to come back and participate and you can participate in however you want, but we want you to feel, I, I, I hate, I hope I, I used a similar analogy last time, but if this is home and we say that and we mean it, which we do, we don't want it to be the home that nobody wants to go to at the holidays. Right? We want it to be the home that you know you don't have to knock. We want it to be the home that you just walk in the side door and everybody's in there anyway. So that's the plan for this. In a in a without being able to without giving a whole bunch of information, right? And a whole bunch of here's how we're going to do it in X's and O's. From an overall perspective, that's the plan. You also mentioned uh, the fourth the fourth uh, pillar of the five was scholarship endowments. Um, Obviously, and I, I've mentioned this the last time. I was talking, uh, was talking with Isaiah Ford and a couple other guys about this before. Um, how grateful we are of where we've all ended up, and the support services, like we've said, that'll get more funding. Whether that's the student athletic academic success, I always get it messed up. The SAS program that does a great job, uh, and the uh, help with your career, everything else. Uh, speak a little bit to what does scholarship endowment? What does that pillar mean? What does that entail? Brad, you mind if I take this one? Um, so the scholarship endowment, it's a huge deal, right? So our scholarship endowment right now sits at $69 million. Uh, it spends off $2.8 million a year. That's money that we don't have to raise every year. We know $2.8 million lives in perpetuity or is going to come in uh, because that $69 million lives in perpetuity. So come in where, is, come in where, for those who wouldn't, who, who are kind of confused by that, come in from where? So it, um, the $69 million, the endowment is invested. Um, and so uh, we get the spinoff of that every year and it goes towards to paying our scholarship bill. Um, so if it's $69 million and we get to right now, the uh, spinoff is four point whatever, 7%, I think 4.6%. So it's right around $2.8 million. So of the $15.9 million scholarship bill, we know that 2.8 million is being paid by our scholarship endowment. Um, and that's 
you know, that's 600 and I think 683 endowments, you know, 683 endowments have been established to make up $69 million. Um, and so if we grow that endowment, that's less money that we have to raise annual annually that can go towards sports specific annual uh, operating budgets, um, capital projects. So if we're raising more endowment, then we can spin off more then the scholarship bill is taken care of and we can put HSF dollars eventually, not now, eventually somewhere else. Um, well, here's, I'm no math major. I uh, scheduled my, all of my classes to avoid math at all costs. But what is, what is the goal? What it, what it, when you said uh, from a percentage standpoint, what are we looking for from an endowment perspective to eventually get to the point where HSF dollars are going towards dining halls, weight rooms, and all of that. To give some perspective, Stanford is fully endowed. Stanford Athletics is fully endowed. How the heck do they do that? They have a huge endowment. And if you if you think about it, right, so like Billy, to your question, like how much would it take? To Evan's point, if, it, if, if it's 4% a year, and let's say the scholarship bill is, let's say today it's around $16, $17 million. So let's say in... 10 years, it's $20 million. You would need a $500 million endowment to spin off at 4% to spin off, to cover the scholarship fund completely. So um, that's, it's ambitious, right? But, but to Evan's point, if we take it from $70 million to a hundred million dollars with generosity of, of Hokies, well, now we're going from 2.5 or 2.6 or 2.7 to call it four, four and a half million dollars. So there's $2 million a year additional that when raised on an annual basis can go to something other than scholarships. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that would be unbelievable. Um, the last pillar that we have uh, before we get into general questions and letters from the lunch pail is my favorite question that I'm most excited to ask about. And it was the, the goal of comprehensive excellence in all sports. Beautiful tagline. Very, very well written. Very, very well said. And I think everybody can get behind that. What is the definition of comprehensive excellence in all of our sports? How does this initiative get us to a point where that is attainable? And what is that defined? So I'm going to give two answers, if that's okay. And they'll be brief, I promise. Um, the first answer. And I'm going to, I'm going to put on my, I'm a fan of the Hokies hat, which I am right. Like, I mean, and I'm, I'm fortunate to, to have known, to, to get to know our coaches and some of our student athletes. And so I see it from different sides, but I'm going to put on my, I'm a fan hat. I want to kick everybody's butt period, full stop. Right. That's it. Like if, if Witt says it all the time, if we're going to play and keep score, we may as well win the dang thing. So play to win the game I'm here in Arizona, right. Herm Edwards right. right down the road to play the game. To play win. to win the game. Absolutely. Right. You play to win the game. So if that's the case, then let's go get it done. Um, so that's, that's the, if I'm a fan, that's how I feel. I want to win in everything we do. And you can see it, right? Like baseball, it would turn in the corner right now. Softball having a great year track, obviously coach Chinelli, just all, all the man does is win ACC championships. Like That's it, right? Like that, that is the barometer. So when you think about that, what is the definition of success? The definition of success, in our opinion, is, is on a box score level, winning. 
When you peel back the layers, though, there are other definitions that don't mean it's any less important to win. It does mean a definition of success and conference of excellence. Like we want to create a great student athlete experience. We want to create an opportunity for these young people to go out and we want them to leave better than they came in. Right. So, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a win or a loss column, but it doesn't mean it's any less important. That is the mission of what we do, right. To prepare student athletes for life after sports. So it's, it's foolish to think that we wouldn't pay attention to that, but it does mean that we want to win and they want to win too. Right. Like, I mean, the, Again, it's the concept that anybody takes a loss harder than our kids on the team or the coaches who coach them. I don't mean this in a, in a um, defensive or in a, in a aggressive sort of way. Nobody takes it harder than they do, right? Because they're the ones who are playing in the game. They're the ones who got beat or experienced the joy of victory. So that is, that's how we'll define success in a couple of ways. Uh, but as a fan, we want to win. And as somebody who, you know, sitting here representing the Hokies athletics program, and this won't be a popular answer, but it is the truth. We believe in the process, right? We want to see that success is, is sustained success because what we don't want to do is have one year every seven years where we go on a great run. We want to have consistency in that approach. And that means that there has to be a process. And we, it's our responsibility, our job, again, business analysts, right? It's our job to analyze it and say, are we making improvements? Are we improving at our craft? And how are we doing in that space? And then make adjustments and and decisions and um, support efforts based on that. That was great. And like I said, I can't can't say enough how much it meant whether it's from me or the group chats I'm in, Pat's in, whether it's former players, alumni, or fans, not just having words that you throw out there, catchphrases, stuff you put on the wall, stuff you put on a T-shirt, actually outlying it uh, and seeing the synergy was something that really, quite frankly, blew me away because uh, I didn't know really what to expect. I knew $400 million, that's great, that's, that's, that's fine and dandy, but to really outlie it, outline it, and have a, a clear path forward was exciting. Um, to kind of bring us down the stretch here on this podcast, uh, you can call this Letters from the Lunch Pail. Um, these first few are going to be from us, and then uh, we have the ones that were written in. Uh, my first question uh, was probably the most popular um, hearing from other people and kind of just one that stuck out to me. Uh, when Tim Sands was talking, he mentioned the budget will go to the top third of the ACC with commitment from the university. Um, that's super exciting. It's a little broad. Uh, can you elaborate kind of what that means, where we were, um, and where this brings us now? Certainly. And appreciate you asking it. And, you know, it goes back to what you started with hearing Dr. Sands say publicly, right. That athletics matters and that whatever the perception out there is in by some people is, is wrong, right? Like the, he is fully in, in alignment with where we're going, where he wants to, where he wants us to go. And what's exciting, you know, I, I had the opportunity to spend just a few minutes with him today before the press conference. What he says off camera is more impressive than what he says on camera, right? Like this is a, this is a, a university president who is in lockstep, who is asking me about, 
ERA of pitchers on our baseball team, right? Like this is somebody who understands what we're doing and who believes in what we're doing. So what does it mean? It, it is broad, right? And it's, and it, to be candid, it is somewhat intentionally broad because what, what we know is that the university administration, Dr. Sands specifically is on board with where we're going. What we will continue to work on and evaluate is what that means, right? And how that plays. But there's a commitment there. The, the, the short answer without getting into here's a here's a balance sheet and here are you know our overhead costs and variable costs. We are going to be able to invest significantly more resources than we ever have in our history across the board in our sports. And what, it, it is because of their help. What led to, um, cause I, cause I know we'll get this as a follow-up. What led to that jump um, from being where we were to where we are now from the university? I don't want to say support uh, because you've spoken, you've spoken to it being uh, lockstep, but what led to it becoming the dollars and the sense that it is now and this uptick was that what like, you know, in sales, we love to say compelling event or, um, or an ask, what, what kind of led to this, to this jump? Yeah. So I, I probably two parts, right. A compelling event. And, and what I would say in that is the effect of COVID right? and the effect of what COVID did to the region of Southwest Virginia in terms of football Saturdays, right? Like, let, like, let that cannot be, that cannot be misconstrued in any way. There and and you could feel it, you know, just in town here. I I had the good fortune of going to every one of our football games this fall. I can promise you, I've never been to a more bizarre place in my life, right? In terms of a sporting event, that it felt weird, it felt strange, it felt bizarre. Like we're playing under Sandman before the team runs out to 250 people. You could hear every word that every coach was saying on both sidelines at all times during the game. So it it was just something about it was strange. So that, that was a compelling season of events and, and what COVID me, what COVID did and what did it, I don't want to say what it exposed, but what it kind of helped everybody realize in this region of, Hey, look, we, we do want Virginia tech football Saturdays and athletics to be a driver in this area and, and in this region. So that's one part of it. And the second part, quite honestly, is, it's really nice and really humbling when work is put in to explain a problem to people who have the capacity and the ability to solve the problem and they listen, you know? And so there were, there, there was work done by so many people to prepare and to put this into play and to have this conversation and to be willing to have this conversation. I, again, I, I can say this having worked at a variety of institutions and, um, there are very few schools in America right now who are doubling down in and putting money towards athletics. doesn't mean they're taking it away from athletics, but it also means in the middle of COVID fallout, there aren't a lot that are saying, raising their hands saying, Hey, we're in this fully locked in. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, and we are really, really fortunate to be a school that has that kind of representation. And you mentioned it, Evan, um, we already have $150 million in the hopper toward the $400 million goal. 
which again is no drop in the bucket. Um, extremely impressive that we are there at this point and it's growing and growing at this uh, as well. Um, how have you seen the impact of that? I guess this is a two-part question. How have you seen the impact of that so far? And what have you seen in the hours since this press conference has ended um, from people calling in, people wanting to donate, people wanting to jump on board? I think we're going to see a much bigger impact come June 1. Um, you know, that's when the NCAA has lifted the dead period. So um, recruiting is going to these, – these student-athletes, these potential student-athletes are going to see these improvements, these changes, um, what the university has invested, what our fans and donors have invested – in them, in their futures, and it's going to change the game. Um, I've taken two sets of donors through uh, the new facilities recently. Um, They they happened to be in town um, and asked to see the facilities. And their words when taken to the the football weight room and to the new um, sport performance center, the, the nutrition facility, were that photos videos do not do this justice. This is next level. This is different. This is game changing. Those words keep coming out of donors' mouths, which means I know that they're, you know, that's what a student athlete's going to think. Um, So I think the impact will be felt um, in the, you know, the recruiting classes um, by our current student athletes. You, You walk up there and you just see people smiling. People are eating together. They're happy. They're excited. Uh, You don't see them smiling too much because, you know, most of the time they've got their mask on, but um, you know, when they're, when they're eating, they're happy, you know, it's, it's cool to see our student athletes together. And this is the first opportunity that they really have to do that. Um, So that's exciting. And um, I think that, you know, June one will be the impact that, that really we see some different things change because, you know, our coaches haven't been able to show this off yet. This hasn't been shown. So it, it, it will make an impact. And, um, you know, our donors love it. Anytime people are in, I, I want to show it off. You know, it used to be there. What could you hide? Right. Like there were certain areas you didn't okay. want to show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Billy, you've been in that, that facility, you know, like, Hey, like, let's, you know, probably want to steer clear there. But right now, you want to show them everything. You want to take an hour and a half, two hours during a tour. You may not have that time during the day, but that's what you want to do. So, The last question that I have before we get into letters from the lunch pail um, is first and foremost, I want to say this is a fantastic announcement and I want to congratulate both of you and the entire Hokie club and the athletic department on doing, and the school in general um, for this incredible job. I know that it takes from the top bottom, um, but it has to be asked. 99% of the uh, Hokie faithful know how the athletic department feels about donors, regardless of their giving amount, regardless of what they're able to do. Um, I obviously, I know Witt on a personal level. Um, I know where his heart's at. I know where his goals are at. Um, but a reporter asked today about donor fatigue. Um, and we've been asked on several occasions about the comments that were made and taken out of context, to be fair, um, on the, uh, a previous press conference uh, by Whit Babcock. I just want, I want you to address 
how, how, what is the feeling towards donors, regardless of their giving amount? What are we asking from donors? I know that not everybody's going to be able to give thousands of dollars. Not everybody's going to be able to give, uh, you know, the $1 million, uh, the $1 million donation, but what is the feeling towards the donor base from top to bottom, regardless of giving? Um, I just wanted to kind of ask that and get your feelings on that as well. Billy, I love, I love this question. I, I think ultimately you asked top to bottom, right? I've worked top to bottom in the Hokey Club. I have been an annual fund giving coordinator. I have been an annual fund giving officer. I've been a leadership gift officer. I've been a major gift officer. I've done internal. I've done external. I've, I grew up a Hokey, right? Love Virginia Tech. Um, I don't think we're to that point yet. Um, when, the, when the reporter asked it, I thought it was interesting, right? I, I think that our fan base has the ability to do so much more. And it's not, it's not, Brad, what did you say earlier? We were talking, um, it's not something from, ev- it's something from everyone. What, go ahead. We don't need someone to do everything. We need everyone to do something. Right. So, you know, we, if you look at it that way, we haven't hit, we haven't had donor fatigue because we haven't had everyone participating. We haven't had every Hokie raising their hand. We have 250,000 living alumni, like Witt said today. You, you could make the argument that, you know, there's 400,000 people with some kind of affinity for, for Virginia Tech. Well, 20,000 of those people are giving. So that means that we have the ability to go out and get a bigger base. And, and so there might be some fatigue from, you know, your longtime loyal Hokies, but at the end of the day, they want to see Virginia Tech excel. They want to see us succeed, and they're going to continue to invest in our student athletes. They're not investing in Brad Worthman. They're not investing, I mean, they, maybe, maybe they are, but they're not investing in Evan Massingill, right? They're investing in our student athletes, and, and the because they want to see them succeed on the court, on the field, on the mat, in the classroom, and, and then ultimately in the community. They want to see them graduate. They want to see a great GSR, great graduation success rate. And then they want to watch them, you know, take the next step in their life. I think that's the biggest thing is like we they'll get fatigued. When we start asking based on, hey, if you give, we're going to win. That's when, a, that's when a donor gets fatigued. They, they, I want yeah. not to, not to not interrupt you here. I just wanted to point out one thing that we meant to mention earlier. Um, Chris Coleman wrote an excellent, excellent piece kind of outlining everything um, with, this, uh, with this initiative that speaks to kind of the – I agree. I was surprised by the question from a reporter, uh, from the reporter, because – as outlined in his, uh, and I know you all have a, uh, you all did a fantastic job on the tech sideline podcast, by the way, that's coming up um, that came out this week. But I also wanted to mention in 2016, when the drive for 25 was first announced, only 4% of tech graduates were members of the Hokie club. Um, That's 4% by uh, 2017 and 18, that percentage grew to 5.6%. If you fast forward to now, the Hokie club membership now stands at 7.66% of living alumni which is fourth highest percentage in the ACC, which is tremendous progress that we have made. But I, I completely agree with you on that point. And I think this is where it got kind of taken out of context is that there's no, 
there's no side eyeing to the amount that somebody is giving. It's more so the, the frustration that I've had and the progress that we've made to be fair, which has been great. There's so much more progress to be, to, to be had. Um, and that's kind of where these big ideas and these big futures and these big numbers are going to be able to be achieved is making that. What does that look like if it's 10%? What does it look like if that goes up 2% every, every couple of years? Um, so I, I don't think that question was necessarily backed up if you look into the numbers um, so I, I just wanted to point that out. And if you have not, please, please check out Chris Coleman's article. Um, the Virginia Tech fan base has a decision to make, uh, came out today. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, but I didn't mean to cut you off, Evan. I don't know if, uh, Brad, you have any further comments on the, uh, on the matter. Nothing as eloquent as Evan said, it, it really is. We hope if, if we're doing our jobs correctly, right. Then hopefully we'll be able to identify donor fatigue in advance. And, and quite honestly, we're all in this together, right? So if somebody cannot contribute in a way that they feel that they that they can't do it, we understand that, right? Like that this is a we hope that there is an opportunity for philanthropy here. We would like to convince and like to work alongside all of you that there is an opportunity for philanthropic giving. But we also understand that that may not be it for everybody. But it's why we go back to we don't need someone to do everything. We need everyone to do something. Um, and having the opportunity to have such points, ability to your point, you know, it, the, the quote that, that was, that was used and then kind of misquoted and, and misrepresented in December was, was incorrect. It, we, every donor in the hockey club matters to us. Um, if it didn't, we wouldn't be worried about 25,000, right? Like that, that wouldn't be important. Um, but that's pillar number one and priority number one of our campaign because we want everybody invested in this, like, because we want everybody to have the opportunity to celebrate this success with us. And also, you know, you're not going to win every, you're not going to win national championships in every sport every year. So we also want people to like, Hey, we're going to get through this together in those moments. Um, And the more that we can add to that mix, the better off we'll be. And I think that's why this is so special, right? Is conversations that, that we've had with you publicly uh, on this podcast, non-publicly, uh, conversations that you've had with tech sideline or other uh, availability is it's easy to kind of take a sentence and dictate that as the status quo for an entire organization or even, or even the person uh, that said it. Uh, when in reality, if you sit down and you look at the progress that we've made, you talked about it on the last time you were here, reaching out and saying thank you, reaching out and getting the daily newsletters and, and feeling involved in part of the program. We have made tremendous, tremendous strides in that. Um, and what's frustrating is just, I challenge those people that feel that way to take the time and hear what the folks that are answering the phones that are doing everything that they're doing. And, you know, I kind of look at this, uh, and I hope he's here for the rest of his career. Um, but this is by far the, the golden goose, the, the biggest thing that's come out of with Babcock's career, in my opinion, uh, to this date. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of, you know, there's more, there, there's, there's endless evidence to point to exactly how you all feel and what the mission is and who it's going to take for us to get there. So I, I appreciate that answer um, and everything that you guys are doing. Um, and that brings us into our last segment, which is uh, Letters from the Lunch Pail. And Pat actually got, uh, got a text message. Who's going to kick us off uh, with, uh, with Letters from the Lunch Pail here? So I got a text. Well, I didn't get a text. During this podcast, Brad and Evan, 
I sent out a text to a friend who will be unnamed. Big Multitasking time, Pat. Multitasking Pat. Big time Hokie alumni, passionate Hokie. I say, are you in the Hokie club? And they said, no, and don't try to recruit me. What would you say to this person? You know, if, 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 if you had to give them a 30 to 45 second elevator pitch. If you had to recruit them. <laughs> if yeah. you had to recruit them. <laughs> Get their $25. I mean, my my question would be, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about when it pertains to Virginia Tech? If your passion is football and you want to see us win, that's great. If your passion is student-athlete experience, student-athlete success, we can talk about that. I'm happy to talk to you any way, shape, or form that you would like to talk, but ultimately we don't move forward without everyone's gift whether it's a dollar five dollars twenty five dollars we don't move forward without an investment and a commitment from every single hokey that has the ability to do so we have to have you on board because you're going to make the difference you're going to make the impact and if we don't have you then you know it's hard for the next student athlete to to really reach for excellence and and you know excel on that field or in that classroom and then go on from there so I would be disappointed if you wouldn't hear me out and, you know, let me recruit you a little bit. Well, on the flip side, too, and I appreciate you speaking to the student athlete. I'll speak to the fan because I've kind of made the I've kind of made the switch. The experience that you're going to have, the seats that you're going to sit in in Castle, the seats that you're going to sit in in Lane, the experience that you're going to have on game day all boils down to that. You want to have a cool new stadium. You want to have a cool whatever going on. That's it's all in the same pot. So I, pre- I appreciate you speaking towards the student uh, form and the student athlete into becoming a prof- uh, professional, professional, and whatever their next, um, their next adventure may be. But also that money's going towards your Saturdays. That money's going towards your college game days when college game day and Seth Greenberg and the gang are coming down to watch Mike Young take on somebody or your Knights Thompson Field. Um, that's, it's, it's all the same pot. You get me fired up. I should, g- give me, give me, oh, give me a phone. Give me a phone. Go, hey, wait, hang on. Here, here's one too, right? And, and my, my pitch is simple. You want to be a part of the story or do you want to read about it tomorrow morning? Right? Like it's pretty straightforward. Um, you can either be in this thing with us and that means that you are part of the success or you can be a bystander. In it. And that's your call, but we hope you're in it. To quote my guy, Calc, Darius Redman, former Virginia Tech football player, either get on the plane or get flown over. That's the way you, that's the way you got to look at it. Pat, what do we got? Uh, we got our guy Tristan coming back with another question. Tristan's great with the questions. He's always chiming in. Tristan Raish says, I, I love this question too. And I'm hoping maybe, uh, guys, if if you can shed some light on any examples, that would be awesome. But how will they make sure the current generation of students, A, doesn't bear the cost of this, and B, gets to partake in the benefits before they're able to donate the big bucks? Great question. Great question. Tristan is one of, I, I don't know, I, I know Tristan. He was a student hockey club member. Uh, also, one of the smartest human beings I've ever been around. So, of course, that's his freaking question. Um, <laughs> He, he's just getting a job. He's a scientist. He's like does science for, for, um, healthcare. Tristan, put um, that in your bio. I didn't know that. Jeez. Okay. Tristan, Tristan's a really, really, 
really, really smart. Um, he's been at VTC and, and done the whole VCOM thing. Um, so good for him. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that we have to impart in our students the um, the fact of you've got to give um, philanthropically at some point, right? That's why the Student Hokie Club exists. That's why the recent grad program exists. We, we have to take you on that journey, um, take you up the ladder from a Student Hokie Club where you Remember where you understand, hey, I'm giving back philanthropically. I'm giving to um, help student athletes scholarships. I'm giving for X, Y, and Z. Um, and then we have to get you to the recent grad program where it's discounted because, you know, we understand it's, you know, you're a recent grad. You have no money. Um, we understand that. And so um, I think moving them up the ladder early on with some of the programs that we have that ensures that they don't bear the brunt of this. Right. But also we missed the generation. We missed the generation of donor. We are now chasing that generation of donor around um, because we were sold out in the 99 era. And so most people at that time were giving for tickets so we missed that generation because people knew that they, for 10 years, they couldn't get tickets. And so a lot of those people got on board and are now giving philanthropically, but they, you know, they missed that gap. So we're chasing those people down and we want to make sure that we don't do that with this current generation, this current batch of students that, you know, we don't want them to bear the brunt, but they've got to get on board as soon as possible. I've spoken to my mathematic lack of acumen. Um, and that is why Chris Himes, Sons of Saturday scribe, uh, is a son of Saturday. He is the financial guru. And for those of you listening to this now, uh, it has not released yet, but uh, got, to pr- got to read it over and check it out. Uh, but it will be on sonsofsaturday.com, a financial breakdown of everything going on by Chris Himes. But his question was uh, that it was stated today that a goal of sustaining 20 million annually in donations, primarily to support athletic scholarships. What is the plan to continually achieve that benchmark metric, considering that the five-year average has been around 18 million? It's the things like donor acquisition, the micro campaigns that um, Grant and his team and Hannah and, and Heather all ran last year, continuing micro campaigns, continuing to bring new donors in, in the door, 3,400 new donors this year. We've got to retain those, right? So we retain those and then we bring a whole, ba- a whole new batch in this year um, through different micro campaigns, through um, different avenues of giving. Uh, the team that Brad put together from a digital uh, ecosystem, uh, digital strategy standpoint is amazing. And so we're going to know everything about you. It's going to be super creepy, as Brad likes to say. <laughs> and um, we're going to try to go out and get as many new donors as we, was, as we can. And then we're going to tell them the story. We're going to tell them why they need to give to Virginia Tech, why, why it will make an impact. And then we've got to retain them. So if we can go out and acquire new ones, retain the old ones, and then um, we've got to do incremental ev- revenue increases across the board. So we've got to move donors that are given at golden to platinum, donors that, um, you know, maybe given 2750 to get on board with a 110% Hokie and go to 
you know, that, that next level up. So it's just, we've got a plan in place. We just have to, to execute. To that point, Evan, I don't mean to, uh, sons of, uh, horn tutory here did move up to the silver, uh, to the silver, uh, level today with the, uh, with, with, the uh, with the donation today. So fired up about that, fired up Big to get the new time. stick the truck. Big so. time Billy. Fired up about that. Tons of appreciation. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So uh, James Copeland's question. I love that. We got some good questions. Uh, and I'll tie this in. One of the most, it was like the Zapruder film. One of the most picked apart pictures from last year was the uh, 2020 or 2000. Yeah. 2020. Here we go. And it's all the coaches huddled around a table and you're looking at the picture and you're like, that's a lot of coaches in a really small room. Uh, and his question was, what are the future plans for more football space per Coach Fuente's comments today about needing more office space for the new hires that they will be making? Because I recall back in my day working uh, as, uh, in recruiting, I mean, we had four, five, six guys huddled up in a essentially what was a, a janitorial closet um, trying to make graphics, trying to get stuff done. Um and Pat has brought this up on podcasts. We've kicked it around um, of having the football only facility, which I don't really think is, is possible. And I think there is a lot of room to expand over in that space. Um, what are the plans to kind of maximize that space or get more space for these hires that we will be bringing in? So a, a simple, a simple approach for it. Um, we will never have enough space for the staff we want to add. Right. And that's across the board. That's not just in football. That is in totality across the athletics program. And that's not because we're trying to be wasteful. It's because we're trying to continue to add more opportunity. So what does that mean for us? Right. And, and what are the future plans for it? I think wit alluded to it earlier and, and, and spoke to it directly. It's not, it's not necessarily just about a football only facility. It is about how do we maximize the space in Merriman? How do we maximize the space in Jamerson? How do we maximize the meeting room space? How do we maximize on and on down the line? Um, and what can we do that is part of this process? So with the new weight room that has just been opened, there are offices built into the weight room for all of our strength and conditioning staff for football. That is a different scenario than what Coach Hilgart and his staff had previously, right? Where Coach Hilgart was down the hall and whatnot. Now he's in that space all the time. That's where his office is. And that's where all of the staff's office will be. Probably where they want to be as well. Correct. Absolutely. Right. So it gives us, I, I think the key it's, and I, I don't, I don't mean this in the way it will come out. It's the opportunity we talked before about the third, fourth, fifth answer. It's maybe not answer one or two. Maybe it is answer three, four, or five that matters in this equation. And what do we get to? Well, that that's what's most important, right? Where it goes is pretty important. Um, so what are the plans for a football-only facility, right? I, I, I don't know because I don't know that we will have one in the guys that people have seen or what people have heard of. Um, but the reason I say that I don't know that we'll have one is because we may not need one, <clears throat> Right. What we need, well, I mean, we have meeting room. A lot of these football only facilities, they are built to have meeting rooms, coaches' offices, weight room, players' lounge. We are going to have the bulk of that. Does that mean to, to Coach Fuente's point, you know, we need to work on our sport medicine area? We need to work on our coaches' offices. But those are things that, again, it's finding space and then fixing it, 
it's not necessarily building a building. I think it's also a, a cosmetics, not the right word, but I, I was checking out Arizona state's facility and they have quote unquote, a football only facility. It is not a quarter as large as the square footage that Virginia tech has. Correct. It, just, it doesn't have its own address is basically what it boils down to. Correct. Um, but if you look at a, Go ahead and hop on Google. Google. Uh, Google Earth is free. You can go ahead and look on. And if you guys have ideas of where to put a massive facility that has the same square footage that football has currently, I- I'm open. I'm open for suggestions. Uh, and they're not going to cut down Stadium Woods. So you know, if you can, if you could find somewhere right. on campus where that makes sense, please let me know. Um, but in terms of square footage, I think we've done a great job of maximizing the space we have and expanding that footprint. Um, so I think, I think the football only facility gets, I would challenge you instead of saying, well, Arizona, Cal, and all these other schools have their own address for a football facility. Well, what does their square footage add up to? What does, what does that look like? Because now, especially with the renovations, you're going to be hard, hard pressed to find a facility as large and with everything that you need, uh, that Virginia tech has right now. And we're still improving. We're still finding ways to expand. So I just wanted to give my uh, my ten cents on that. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and I mean, food talks about it all the time, right? The, we he wants us to be the best developmental program in America, right? And so everything that is raised and all money that is invested in football is going towards the opportunity for student athletes. Now, does that include? Hey, we want to have better meeting room. Yes. Does that include we want to have better offices? Yes. But that is because we want kids to feel like they are walking into the offices whenever they want. Um, so it's not a your, your point is incredibly valid and very much heard in that we just have to think about it differently, right? Just because it works for Arizona state and Cal, it may not work for us, but it may not work for us because we have alternative options. Absolutely. Last three for you, uh, Sam, Jesse, when is the facelift for castle expected to start? And what are the plans for home games that season? Uh, I, I believe that he referenced Clemson as a team that had to play their games in Greensboro or somebody had to play their games in Greensboro. Uh, for a season as their uh, facility was getting completed. How exactly are we planning on making that happen? I know that they have an adjacent practice facility. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, so, um, and that's what Whit, Whit said it today, you know, like he hopes it's in the next four to five years that we're ready to go in this space. Um, what it will be, and, and I, I can say, so when I, before I, I, joined the team here at, at Virginia Tech. I, I worked at Illinois and I worked at Illinois during the renovation of the State Farm Center. And that was a three-year, $170 million arena renovation. Um, and in that time, we only played five games, not in our home venue in Illinois. And the reason was because the way the construction worked is that it was phased in over three years. So we had parts of it. And, and what was really impressive in that space is in those five years, the only spaces that were offline at any point during a season were spaces that were currently in the process of like finishing touches to be opened in the, within the next month. So it wasn't a, Hey, 10% of the building is off limits because you can't go sit there. The bulk of the work to the seating bowl was done in the off season. The bulk of the work to everything, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of the building was being done during the season. So there are ways to do it and ways that it can be done. Um, so when is it expected to start? You know, again, to quote Wit, he said, 
and, and he means it. We would like to have it starting in the next four to five years. Um, and what are the plans for home games? That is inevitably, that is a scenario that works itself out. And I, I say that as somebody who has been involved in an arena renovation previously, the best laid plans on April, in April of 21 will be blown up by the time we hit April of 23 or four when this is going. So we'll work it out, but we want to make it as we want to make it as least of a negative impact as possible. So next question uh, from John Cran, our guy, love John Uh, beyond a financial contribution. uh, And these are not quotes. What are these? The, the, I'm not a grammar guy. Parentheses. Parentheses. In the parentheses, which I plan to give as generously as I can. How can a semi-retired professional who did not go to Virginia Tech but sent two kids there become more involved? I just love this place. What a question, right? A, a question, and uh, no, he's he's the best. We got we got to I mean, we got we got to when this is all over, we got to we got to get a uh, we got to have cold drinks waiting with uh, with our guy John Cranston. Ah, I can't wait. I'm in. What I would say, what I would say to John, you know, how can you become more involved? It, there, there are some easy ways, right? One is, and, and I think what's hard is when we think about the totality of the operation, right? We, and it, it's, it's hopefully nobody is offended when I talk about this, but it's the concept of how we generate revenue. And that could be through fundraising. That could be through ticket sales. That could be through merchandise. That could be on and on down the line. There are a variety of ways. We spoke about it a little bit on the last podcast, but the concept of this product stack and how it all adds up to a really big number, right? Top line and bottom line. So to John's point, how how do I become more involved? You can, if the opportunity is there for you to invest at a higher level, we would welcome that. We would appreciate that. We will work with you on that. If the opportunity is reach out and ask other people to join in the party, right? Do what Pat did and ask your friends. And when your friends say, no, and don't try to recruit me, recruit them anyway, right? And, and encourage them to be a part of it. So uh, we're, we're pretty excited about uh, some of the updates and some of the, the digital opportunities to the rep program that people may have heard of previously. Um, so we're excited to be able to expand the army that can help us go and recruit other Hokies to be involved with, other, with Hokies. So, you know, it, the, the simplest answer I can give to how do I become more involved is what would you like to be more involved in? And then let us route you in that path. So the sounds like we got to set up, sounds like we got to set up a call. That's what it sounds Absolutely. Like. Right. <laughs> Just call us and tell us we're never going to turn away anybody who says, Hey, we want to be involved. I promise you our answer is never going to be no, thank you. Right. It's you're never going to hear no, thank you from us in that space. So uh, we're all in. Last letter from the launch pail is actually a, a self-submission here. And Brad, let me know if uh, if you are allowed to talk about this or have any insights or updates, but um, can you speak on any updates within uh, the upcoming Comcast rumors and or the Nike, um, the Nike sponsorship deal that um, will be, I guess, coming up in a few years? Certainly. So, um, you know, and I, I can't give all the details on it, obviously, right? Because we're in negotiation with a lot of it. But um, the you know the, everything surrounding Comcast is trending positively, and I think what's what's been lost in, in the launch of the ACC network is that, unfortunately, 
having a deal with Comcast in the beginning was always a shot in the dark. It wasn't impossible, but it was always shot in the dark, shot in the dark because they had already agreed to a longer term contract with ABC and Disney. As part of our arrangement, we are included in that process, but the opportunity to add to that and really go after it aggressively doesn't come up until now. So we have this, this really big opportunity in front of us. Uh, we feel pretty optimistic about where it's going. Um, if we didn't, I promise you, I would sleep less than I do already, but we feel really optimistic about where this thing is headed and, and that should be a good thing. Right. And we, we want that to be a good thing. The last thing we want is for Hokie fans to not be able to watch the Hokies. That's not the goal. I promise you that's not the goal, but some of this was done knowing that these contracts would be up over time and that we would be the beneficiary of these in a phased in process. It wasn't a one-shot deal, right? It, the launch of the ACC network was different than the launch of the SEC network. It was done differently. So not good or bad, right? It was just different. And, and that's where we are in this space. So I feel good about that. Um, as for the, the Nike arrangement, we are incredibly happy to be wearing Nike apparel. Right? We also know what the market can bear and what we bring to the table. So um, we continue to, I guess the, the simplest way to phrase it and, and the, the truth, we continue to explore that relationship with Nike and see what is possible and see what is not possible. And um, it is, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting arrangement because you have two parties who really, really, really want to get a deal done. And there's already an existing deal, right? So it's, it, we want to find a way to, to make it better. And we want to find a way to have wins on all sides in this. I mean, Nike has been a partner with the Hokies for, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say the year because I know I'll get it wrong. I don't remember, but for a very long time. And so the ability we have to have, um, and it, it may not be what all of our fans want to hear, but us having the swoosh is a big deal. And us continuing to be in that family is a big deal. And so we want to find a way to make that a, a win for everybody. Um, does that mean that we give up a little bit now to maybe get a little bit later? Yeah, sometimes. Um, but I think if we all understand the, the end goal, it's pretty easy to, to work through at that point. Brad, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, Sue, so coming up on 1021 on the East Coast. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, I know Evan had to drop off here, but um, as you know, really appreciate your efforts and everything that you're doing. Um, and uh, can't thank you enough and really, really looking forward to the future um, and everything that's to come. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thank you guys. It, it, we both speaking on behalf of our, our whole team, we really appreciate just having the chance to chat, to talk shop. Right. And I mean, it's, we are, yes, we are, we are employees of the Hokies, but we are Hokies. Right. So like, like this is what we, yes, it's what we do day to day, but it's also who we are and it's what we believe in. And, you know, it, it everybody kind of laughs. I, my, my, my days off consist of taking my three-year-old to Hokies games. Right. So like that, it's not a, it's not a thing. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a lifestyle for all of us being candid. One of the things, and, and I, I will leave, I will leave the group with this. Um, I am so excited 
so excited for September 3rd. I cannot wait for September 3rd. The sixth priority of the Reach for Excellence campaign was to put a roof on Lane Stadium just so we could blow it off that night. <laughs> right. That was the that was the campaign priority that that we didn't talk about today. That that's my personal priority. Um and so everything that is that when we talk about alignment, I hope what people hear is everything is aligning really, really well. And we hope to be back at full capacity, right? None of us are um, health experts, so we don't we don't know what that means. And we're going to follow the guidance that we're given, but we certainly hope that we have the opportunity to do that. And I, I wish, I wish that September third was in two days. I also know how much work has to go in between now and September third, and and I'm, I'm glad it's not in two days. But I can't wait. I'm understating it if I don't say that. Our entire team can't wait to see Hopi's back. We can't wait to see you back in the building. And we can't wait. The first note, there. Will, I, I promise you, When I, I, I'm an emotional guy. Hopefully some people have seen that. I wear my heart on my damn sleeve all the time. There, it, I'm going to have a hard time holding back my emotions as soon as the first note of Sandman hits on September 3rd. Because that place is going to be rocking and is going to be electric. And then we are going to go in there in a clash of cultures and uh, we're going to handle our business. Right. So you can take that one to the bank too. I'm not, I feel good about where we're headed. So um, can't wait to see everybody on September 3rd. Big time. Can't wait. Brad, appreciate your time. We'll absolutely do this again. Evan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, And we will uh, talk to you guys on Sunday and uh, looking forward to it, Brad. We'll get together soon. Right on. Appreciate it. Time to wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know it's what you're thinking Please don't go to slice a second Try